When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. Let's talk about Shockwave this time. You may have noticed that I'm alternating between good guy, bad guy every day of the month for November for these art sound off Thunder Punch dailies. So it's time to check in with one of the bad guys and we'll talk about Shockwave. Um, another bad guy that I don't have a whole lot of strong feelings about a lot of the bad guys, but I think Shockwave's an inter- interesting character, at least in the iterations that I interacted with as a young person. I know he has been in a lot of the different Transformers comics and cartoon series, but the ones I'm primarily uh, most familiar with would be the Generation 1 cartoon, the Marvel comics, and Transformers Prime. Uh, I know he's in the newest, at the time of this recording, the Cyberverse show, which I've tried watching a little bit of, and I, I, there's something keeping me from really tuning in. There's something keeping me from showing it. I don't know if it's something with like the fact that i got a lot of deadlines right now, and I don't have the bandwidth to commit to a show, or if it's something that the show's not grabbing me with. I haven't put my finger on it yet. But that's for another discussion for another time. We're talking about Shockwave right now. And I was just framing that up just to say that, yep, I know there's lots of other Shockwaves, uh, but these are the ones that I encountered with. And I remember my first feeling about Shockwave was confusion in that the cartoon version, the Sunbow Animation Gen 1 cartoon, he was um, what I would call despicably loyal to Megatron, like almost hero worship to Megatron. Um, How so? I mean, the joke is that Megatron says to Shockwave as he's leaving to follow the Autobots on their energy-finding mission in the first episode of the series, Shockwave, you are to stay behind. I entrust Cybertron to you, Shockwave. And Shockwave says, fear not, Megatron. Cybertron shall remain as you leave it. Now remember, the Decepticons and Autobots sleep on Earth for four million years, and when they wake up a few episodes later, Shockwave's still there. (laughs) He's still waiting. He kept the place the way Megatron left it for four million years. Yes, I know they live a long time, but that's a long time. So, like, that's, like, a cartoonish sort of demonstration of just, like, how to the bottom of his feet how loyal he is to his leader. Well, the comics, I remember starting to read those, and very quickly, episode issue four of the original four-issue miniseries, it ends with Shockwave showing up and killing everybody. He wipes out everybody in the end of the, 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 the Autobots and Decepticons are all fighting on a battlefield, and then boom, they all get hit, and they're all unconscious. Who did it? It's Shockwave. And then it becomes a regular series, and Shockwave is now in command of the Decepticons. He's got Megatron all chained up in this life support stuff, and he's... And he's uh, he is claiming that he is the logical choice to be the new leader of the Decepticons. He's taking over from Megatron. And so as a kid, I'm looking back and forth going, well, wait a second, wait a second. Shockwave's super loyal. What do you, what do you, mean, what do you mean, comic books? And I read the file card, and in his, his, uh, his slogan or whatever is like, Prowls was logic is the ultimate weapon, right? Shockwave's was something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head. Somebody will tell me. Um... But it says in his file card about how he's like ruthlessly cold and logical, right? Um, so the comics were following the file card more, which makes sense. Bob Budiansky was writing the comics and he wrote the file card. But for some reason in the cartoon, they, they diverged from that. And even to the point where like there's um, 
I forget which episode it is, but it's in season one. Starscream goes back to Cybertron. Megatron is apparently dead. Everybody thinks he's dead. And uh, Starscream, it might be Countdown to Extinction. As a matter of fact, I'm sure it's Countdown to Extinction because Starscream waltzes in to Shockwave's office like, Megatron is no more. I now command the Decepticons. And he holds up like a Decepticon symbol, like as if it's a badge or something. Like, you got him on your wing, Starscream. What are you doing? But Shockwave's response is like, no way. Megatron is indestructible. <laughs> like, he's horrified at even the suggestion that something bad would happen to Megatron. And this, is, this might be a good place to also talk about Corey Burton's performance as the Gen 1 cartoon Shockwave. Um, I heard him in an interview say that he was doing his uh, impersonation of the British actor David Warner, who the moment I heard that, he, the moment I heard him say that, I was like, oh, now I can't unhear that whenever I hear Shockwave talk in the original series. I should also say Shockwave uh, was a character in Transformers Animated, and his character was reprised by Corey Burton. Um, and he did, he did a marvelous job as this guy. Um, and maybe I can weave in a little bit of thought about Transformers Animated Shockwave because he was pretty cool too. So that makes four versions that I in, interacted with uh, throughout my life. But uh, yeah, just this, this, he's got, he sounds cold and rational in Corey Burton's performance until until the topic of Megatron comes up, and then he can start getting pretty riled up. Like, with Megatron is indestructible, you know. Um, there's there's a, a couple good lines from him in um, Divide and Conquer 2, where he's trying to guard the space bridge, and the Autobots keep going, coming and going over it. Um, but for the most part, he seems, he sounds very cool and rational, but deep down is um, a, a zealot's heart in the original series. Um, and then you get to Transformers Animated Shockwave, which um, I think they did a really interesting thing with him. I'm gonna spoil some stuff if you haven't watched Transformers Animated. By the way, it's on, um, I think it's it's currently on Tubi.tv. Uh, I would actually recommend that you watch that series. It, 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 was, it was really, um, a lot of people were put off by the fact that it looked so uh, exaggerated and cartoony, what my friend Dan Michigan calls Bigfoot-style cartooning. Um, Derek, Derek Wyatt uh, did, the, did a lot of the principal designs in the series. He also worked on Teen Titans Go or Teen Titans. Uh, and, and I, too, was kind of put off like when I first I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But then I watched it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and I'm, I, I say some, I'll say a strong thing. I think that Tom Kenny's Starscream in Transformers Animated is better than Chris Lotta's Starscream. I think Tom Kenny's Starscream is my favorite Starscream, which is like, what? No, you can't say that. Gen 1 is always the best. No, not necessarily so. That's why it's fun to, to try out these later iterations because you see the things that they improve upon, such as the fact that Shockwave is once again a, despic a despicably loyal character to Megatron, but because the Autobots run Cybertron, he has to operate as a double agent. And so he has a third mode. He has, well, actually, he's like a quadruple changer because he's got um, an Autobot mode, an Autobot vehicle mode, and a Decepticon mode, and a Decepticon vehicle mode. I might be incorrect on that. His vehicle mode might be the same between the, the two of them, but his, his physical form changes when he switches from Autobot to Decepticon. Uh, so he plays the same role in that he's always on Cybertron trying to keep things, keep Megatron's plans going, but because the Autobots run things, he has to actually be a spy. So that, that was a neat 
uh, I don't want to say twist, but it was just a neat reimagining of the character. And then plus having Corey Burton return to play the character with the same performance was pretty darn cool. And they had Blur come back with John Mashita as Blur. So good. Weird Al Yankovic plays Repgar, and he's so good as Repgar. It's a great series. It's so, so wonderful. Um, and then we get to Transformers Prime. And then I'm going to wrap up by thinking about a little bit about like Shockwave's physical looks and how there's certain features that always remain the same with him. Um, Transformers Prime, they went much more to the file card again. And interestingly, they took out the idea that he that his adherence to logic would make him a um, competitor to Megatron. They they sort of fused. They 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 did what like eleven year old Jersey's brain needed so badly. <laughs> they took they took what the file card suggested and then took what the cartoon did and made a new character out of it. So Shockwave in Transformers Prime is ruthlessly logical as the file card suggested. So much so so much so that like at one point Starscream betrays Shockwave and almost gets him killed. Like and, and it's clear that Starscream meant to get him killed. And Shockwave comes back and is like, well, your, your plan failed, and now I'm going to make you pay for almost killing me. And he grabs Starscream by the back of the head, and he's about to run his head through, uh, run a spike through Starscream's head, knock out one of his eyes. And Starscream makes the case that, well, but if I didn't, but if I didn't pull that prank on you, and if I didn't almost kill you, you wouldn't have made this other discovery that was a, uh, you know, an unexpected side effect of my trap being sprung. And Shockwave thinks about it, and he's like, your, your response is logical. And then he backs off and he's not angry anymore. Like if you, you can, and that makes him such an interesting villain because like uh, if, if you are, if logic is your ultimate um, ideal and, and it, you know, it comes before and, and uh, you know, makes, makes, makes secondary everything else, then you, this is a guy you can reason with and whether you're good or bad. Right? You're not talking about ideology. As long as you've got a logical reason why this shouldn't happen, then his, his emotions drain right out of him. It's like just as he's about to smash Starscream's head on that spike, he's sounding kind of angry. You can hear the, the emotion in his voice, but then as soon as Starscream appeals to him with logic, he says, your argument is logical. He backs off. That was a pretty cool take on the character. Um, and they, they introduced this really cool sibling, sibling rivalry between Shockwave and Starscream because they both want to win Megatron's favor. And that's a whole nother thing. I don't know if I'm going to talk about uh, robots or rather Transformers Prime Starscream, but they did a really interesting twist with his character in that he's still the conniving, vain, uh, incompetent second in command who wants to take over. But then they flip it towards the end. They flip it in a way where when they did it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense for his character. But um, the shockwave in the... Uh, in Transformers Prime was also, they really bolt him up. They made him really big, heavy, and in I would say much more menacing looking than any iteration before. So if you if you ever watched the cartoon and thought, boy, if only Shockwave was a little scarier, you know, then I would recommend Transformers Prime. Um, and then to loop back to the comics, one of the things I really enjoyed in the towards the end of the Marvel run with Simon Furman's Transformers comics was Shockwave showed up as a third faction. So I was talking before about how Tarantulas introduced this idea of a third faction to the Transformers cartoons. Well, that was in the comics as well, or rather it was in the comics before that. This would be what? Late 80s, early 90s. Um, and Shockwave and Starscream, of all people, were teamed up with a group of 
a, a random sampling of Decepticons to try to usurp Scorpinox's control of the Decepticons. So in the comics, if you haven't read them, Megatron gets taken out of the picture pretty darn quickly, and he's really not a major player throughout most of the comic series. The Decepticons are under a variety of leaders throughout the comics. Um, Megatron does come back. There's a really interesting fight between Megatron and Galvatron, which, you know, it's like, yep, that happened. Um, but at the time of Shockwave's return to the comics, as coming back as a, uh, a new third party, um, Scorpionok, the headmaster Scorpion slash base, um, is in charge of the Decepticons. And there's a pretty awesome battle between Shockwave and Scorpionok where they're kind of arguing their points of view while they're punching each other, as comics often do. So to close, let's talk about his design. I mean, what? How could you not be have your imagination activated upon seeing that original toy with that one eye, with the laser gun hand, and the cable coming out of his forearm into his backpack? What is it about that, right? Like, I, this is something that even as a kid, I remember thinking like that seems so um, impractical to have conduit outside of your body if you're a robot. Because now, if I'm a clever Autobot, I'm gonna go cut that cable, if I can get close enough. And, he, and, and Shockwave turns into like this crazy future laser cannon, so he doesn't have an Earth mode the way all the other Decepticons do. And like they even show in the comics, like he transforms into a gun and just flies around as a gun. I don't think he does that as much in the cartoon. I think he only turns into the gun a couple times that I can remember. Um. But then in the later iterations, he turns into a tank, which, I mean, it's a different time now than it was in the 80s. Um, toy guns just are problematic in all sorts of different ways that I don't feel like going into here. Um, but it is what it is, right? It's, it, that we're in the time that we're in, and so it's not, you're not going to make a Transformer who turns into a laser pistol the way Shockwave, Megatron, and uh, Six Shot did. There was another one, wasn't there? Wasn't there another Six Changer who turned into a gun? Anyway, so he turns into a tank, which, what, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about that? I feel like a tank for a Decepticon, tanks and jets for Decepticons just feel very obvious to me. Of course they're going to turn into those things. They're military characters. And like, yeah, Starstream should always turn into a jet, but... I don't know. I mean, I think one of the reasons that characters like Knockout were so exciting to me was like, oh, he's not turning into a military vehicle. He just turns into a sports car. That feels fresh. That feels unique. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I would have Shockwave turn into because it should be something with a giant cannon on it because that was like part of the character's design. That feels like it's a fundamental thing. He should have one eye and he should have something to do with like giant laser cannons, right? So he's going to be a tank. I guess there's no way around that. Uh, but anyway, how do I feel about him now? How do I feel about him now? Again, not super strong feelings. I, I feel like uh, he's, an, he's a very interesting um, supporting character to have in the series. I feel like Soundwave and Shockwave are two characters that um, I don't really get super pumped up about, but... I feel that the show is lacking something. If you're doing like a series about Autobots versus Decepticons and Megatron isn't running the Decepticons, okay? So if, like, if those places are there, then I feel like Shockwave, Starscream, and Soundwave need to be there. Um, there's something about their presences that makes it feel, um, 
I don't want to say fundamental. What am I thinking? What am I thinking about this? However you imagine the characters. So like Soundwave in Transformers Prime was very different than the tape deck Soundwave. But then there was other aspects to his personality that were like even more, like more emphasized of things that I liked about Soundwave. Um, oh my gosh, he was so profoundly strange in Transformers Prime. Um, but the, yeah, it, it feels like there's these are like sort of crucial ingredients. Like you can't have oatmeal chocolate chip cookies without oatmeal and chocolate chips. Right, they're in the name. I feel it's like it's like it's it's that attached to. Like if you have a Decepticon team with Megatron, then Shockwave, Soundwave, and Starscream need to be there too, as his supporting characters and foils. And how you interpret that, I'm, I'm much more relaxed about. Like when Shockwave showed up and he was like the cold, ruthlessly logical character, I was like, this is cool. <laughs> and like, oh, Andy's loyal. Well, that's interesting. You know, I'm 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 happy to be surprised by interpretation that way um but i just it doesn't feel the same without those those supporting characters i guess that's how i would wrap up my thoughts on shockwave is he sees an integral supporting character to the dynamic of the decepticons as i see it and that's just my taste that's my take on it that's 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 what i look for in it and i know there are lots of other iterations on the thing that can exist and will probably be very well told and beautifully executed and i just won't care as much <laughs> it's one of those things like hey jersey ever gonna watch the michael bay movies no i really don't feel an enormous pull to do so and if other people enjoy them good for them i'm glad that they get to enjoy their transformers it's, it, Transformers is one of those things... Okay, I, I know I'm not talking about Shockwave anymore, but I want to close in this thought because I, I do think this is something unique to the franchise and why it kind of... Uh, why it, it, it holds my imagination still is that it feels like there's something that's really plastic, pardon the expression, about the concept that it, it leaves itself open to interpretation. You want to tell a story that takes place in the future? You want to tell one that takes place in the past? You want to tell one with animal Transformers? You can do all those things, and it will still feel fundamentally like a Transformer show or story. Um, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, you really, it's, it's hard for me to imagine how you could do that. Because unless you do, like, the, like the Black Ops, Sigma-6, uh, Sergeant Savage, unless you do something that, like, leans in um, one particular aspect of the show and emphasizes that, like, G.I. Joe was about... Yeah, like Reagan America, red, white, and blue. We believe in America and we believe in punching bad guys down. But we've also got like weird Indiana Jones and science fiction elements to it too. So it's like Johnny Quest meets Star Wars meets uh, patriotism. That's a hard thing to recook and feel like there's like, there's like fundamental ingredients that you can reimagine. Uh, He-Man's the same thing. He-Man is a, a show that I find it difficult to imagine it not being sword and sorcery with science fiction. Um, and you lean it one way or the other. Like with the Mike Young He-Man, I was like, yeah, it's still pretty good. But it feels it feels less He-Man-ish because you leaned more in the science fiction direction, if that makes sense. Then um, again, this is all my my personal opinion, but it just feels like Transformers has like this, this, this clearer set of ingredients that you can recombine in a variety of ways. So you can have suddenly very cartoony Transformers that takes place in the near future in Detroit. And you can have, you know... Um, well, do I even need to describe all the different series? <laughs> so, eh, so does that mean that Robots in Disguise from 2001 feels less traditional Transformers to me? Yeah, I guess it would. I guess it really would. Um, I would say because like uh, the, the Megatron is even a different Megatron altogether. He's not the gray 
Tank Megatron. He's like this weird Power Rangers villain who turns into six things. So, anyway, okay. I've, I've, I've gone completely astray, and I've made this one way too long. So I'm going to wrap it up here and say this is part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, artsoundoff.com for more information. And this is part of the 4 Million Years Later uh, podcast where at the end, uh, starting in December, my buddy Hoover and I are going to start releasing on a weekly basis one episode a week of us watching an episode of Transformers and then talking about that episode of Transformers. So if you haven't subscribed yet, 4millionyearslater.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. Until then, remember everybody. Everybody likes to play games, but when they do, it's natural to try and win. But some people try so hard to win that they forget about safety. They get excited, lose their tempers, and then run the risk of hurting themselves or someone else by playing too rough. No game is worth an injury. When you play, don't be so anxious to win that you'll do something which you'll regret later on. Play it safe.